Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Hope you're having a good day. Thank you for joining us. Here's what we'll be talking about and who we'll be talking with on today's program. We'll talk with the Chief Veterinarian of the National Pork Producers Council, Liz Wagstrom, get an update on African swine fever in China, what's being done there to try to get it under control, uh, what does it mean for the U.S. pork industry. We'll talk about that. USDA Undersecretary for Farm Production and Conservation Bill Northey will join us and we'll get the latest on the government shutdown impacting uh, trade aid payments and other things. Of course, county FSA offices are closed while the government is shut down. We'll talk with Undersecretary Bill Northey, get the very latest. And as we look ahead to talks with China this month, Aaron Ennis, Senior Vice President for the U.S.-China Business Council, will join us to give us uh, some perspective and what we should uh, be looking for in those talks coming up. Speaking of talks, a lot of talking, caucus, Washington, D.C., there's a government shutdown, but Congress is in session, and right there to uh, cover it all is Phil Brasher with AgriPulse Communications. Phil, thanks for joining us. Uh, you're right in yeah, the midst of here. all the caucusing, right? Yeah, well, the, uh, as you know, the new Congress uh, just kicked off yesterday afternoon uh, uh, with over in the House with the election of uh, Nancy Pelosi as Speaker. And uh, the Democrats are caucusing, uh, just wrapping up a caucus uh, meeting this morning uh, down here in the Capitol basement. Uh, these are these weekly meetings where they um, talk about their strategy going forward. And uh, it's a new day here in the House of Representatives with the Democrats in uh, control. Uh, if anyone thought we were done talking about SNAP and the nutrition program because <laughs> the farm bill is signed, uh, forget that thought. It's it's right back in the news, isn't it? Absolutely. It was the first, almost the first thing to come up in the House yesterday. There's a, a provision in the uh, in the. Uh, package of rules for the House that that govern how the House operates uh, that the Democrats put forward yesterday afternoon. And one of the provisions authorized the uh, Speaker to uh, um, mount a legal challenge. Uh, It was actually fairly vaguely worded, but it would authorize her to go to court to block the uh, um, Trump administration from tightening the work requirements uh, for uh, uh, food stamp recipients. So there what are you hearing on, on the House floor? Yeah, what are you hearing about the government shutdown among members of Congress? What are they saying? There, you know, there's a not everybody's everybody's wondering what's going to happen. I mean, it's uh, there's a very few people are going to a very small group of people are going to decide this unless uh, there's really a uh, uh, a sense that the public is is really involved with it, but everybody's kind of waiting to see what uh, President Trump and and uh, Speaker Pelosi and uh, the Senate uh, Democratic leader Chuck Schumer uh, can agree on. Yeah, and boy, that remains elusive at this point. And each day that goes by, we start to feel more and more impact of the shutdown. Uh. Yes, we do, and I think we're. I think the impact really started this week at USDA, where they shut down a lot of the processing of loans. They shut down the processing of applications for the 
market facilitation program, that's the trade assistance program, temporary trade assistance program established because of the uh, uh, ongoing trade uh, disputes. Um, a number of uh, and a number of other activities at USDA have really stopped starting this week, and of course in other departments uh, that as well. So people are trying to apply for loans and such. That's just not happening. State implementation of the Farm Bill has stopped as well. Yeah, I want to talk about that. Uh, we have, of course, uh, Colin Peterson is once again chair of the House Agriculture Committee. He's he's talked about oversight of the Farm Bill and, and making sure it gets implemented. But uh, until the government shutdown ends, it's hard to get it going. Right. Uh, just about all of those, other than senior officials in the department, uh, people in the Food Safety Inspection Service who are working also on the job and meatpacking plants and so forth, firefighters, that, that, those type of employees, um, are really off the job. And um, so there are no meetings going on. You start out with a lot of meetings just to start setting deadlines, figuring out what they need to write regulations on. You know, there's a lot of, uh, of planning that needs to go on right now. That is all stopped. Um, um, oh, this is actually the second week that it's uh, it's been stopped. There are no meetings uh, and so forth. So they haven't even set their, their uh, timelines yet. That's the sort of the first step in implementing the Farm Bill. That's, uh, that whole work uh, is going to have to restart once the government opens up. You know, during a government shutdown, if you're a government worker, you find out if you're considered essential or not essential, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's uh, essential as in uh, it's kind of a health and safety issue. Or there's some interesting, you go at, at USDA, the Natural Resources Conservation Service, a lot of their work is still going on. It has to do with the fact that their program is uh, – their conservation programs are funded in a different way, and they're considered mandatory spending, not appropriated uh, annual appropriate subject to annual appropriations like the Farm Service Agency. It's very, very strange, but it has to do with the way those agencies and programs are funded. So I know that those conservation programs are going on going forward. Yeah, Phil, I know that the uh, you know the focus right now is on the government shutdown, but are you hearing any? backhaul discussions one way or another on uh, NAFTA 2.0 or USMCA, whatever they want to call it, and uh, when that could actually come up for a vote? Well, it's a timely question because I just asked Richard Deal, who's the chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, about that very thing because he just just before you you all called, he came out. he said he's waiting for to hear from the administration, and obviously has the even larger concern about uh, the the tariffs and the, uh, the ongoing trade war with China. Uh, and it kind of sees all of this uh, tied together. Needs to be uh, needs to be resolved, and made a point that he's uh, hearing uh, uh, get, getting conflicting uh, signals from the administration. He did say that he has discussed. Uh, NAFTA 2.0 with uh, with the U.S. Trade uh, Representative, uh, so they have they have started those discussions, but uh, he offered no timetable on when they're going to be going on that. Pretty full plate to start off this new year. 
Yes, it is. There's a lot to be done, but uh, right is I'm sure you could understand right now this whole issue with the government uh, shutdown, border wall, what they're going to do about that. That is overshadowing everything else. Uh, we may start, um, and committees are going to start announcing uh, who's going to be uh, members of those committees starting starting next week, uh, hopefully, uh, so then those committees can start meeting probably later, uh, toward later in mid to later in the, later in the month. But, uh, All right. Again, the government shutdown is overshadowing everything right now. Yeah. Phil Brasher with AgriPulse Communications joining us from Capitol Hill. Thanks, Phil. Okay. Great to be here. Thanks. Hey, take care. Coming up next, an update on African swine fever in China. Threat or opportunity for the U.S. pork industry. We'll talk with the chief veterinarian for the National Pork Producers Council, Liz Wagstrom, next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Did you know you can listen to the latest podcast of Adams on Agriculture or hear the top news and weekend review from the American Ag Network on your Amazon Alexa? Play my flash briefing. Use the Alexa app to search for the podcast you want to play. Search for Adams on Agriculture to learn about the issues affecting agriculture each weekday. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Again. Or you can search for the American Ag Network. This is the American Ag Network Weekend Review. I'm Sabrina Hill. Stay up to date on agriculture with the sound of your voice on your Amazon device. What does Meals on Wheels do? They deliver meals and smiles to homebound seniors. But Meals on Wheels does something else. They turn a volunteer's lunch break into a meaningful experience. As small and as simple as the relationship is between a volunteer and a client of Meals on Wheels, it's really so impactful. I never thought that five minutes could make so much difference in the lives of two people, but it has. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're gonna go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you gonna do? You're gonna go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. You gotta dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't, because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, 
the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Uh, One of the big stories from 2018 that carries over into 2019 is African swine fever in China. We want to look at that situation, get an update, and the ramifications of it. Joining us now is the National Pork Producers Council Chief Veterinarian, Liz Wagstrom. Liz, thanks for joining us. Uh, What is the latest on the situation in China when it comes to African swine fever. Yeah, Mike, thank you. We we definitely see it expanding. Um, they had announcements in the past week of the largest farms that they've had come become fo- positive. They had a site with 15,000 sows, I think 73,000 total pigs um, that is positive. Um, the other thing that they have also implemented now is increased slaughter regulations so um, not only just looking at animals to determine if they're healthy before they go to slaughter, but actually doing blood tests on every separate batch of animals that come into a slaughter plant. Concerning, though, that after all this time, they still don't seem to be able to contain it. Uh, Yes, it definitely is. You know, and it's a country that transports a lot of animals, that um, has a lot. I mean, we consider that, you know, they have, you know, we're, we would be a drop in the bucket com- with the number of animals we have in the United States compared to what they have in China. So it's it's a huge country, a huge population of pigs, lots of different types of slaughter facilities, lots of different types of production facilities, um, lots of different types of transport of those animals. So it's it's going to be a challenge. We have seen in this country, when we've had a disease outbreak, even with all of our biosecurity measures and the precautions that we take, it can still be hard to contain. So I'm guessing then from what we're hearing and what you're saying uh, that maybe their situation is even tougher than, than ours. Do they have the precautions and the systems and the protocols in place even that we have? You know, it's going to be really difficult, and I've not been there enough to say that they've got um, the same precautions and principles, although they do have some very modern production. But we do know that they've had a challenge. They are still foot-and-mouth disease positive. They have classical swine fever. Both of those diseases have very good vaccines, and they're still positive for those. Um, So with African swine fever, where there's no vaccine, you know, we can consider that they're probably going to have a a really large challenge. We're talking with Liz Wagstrom, chief veterinarian for the National Pork Producers Council, talking about the ongoing situation in China with African swine fever. Uh, Liz, I know it's hard to get information sometimes out of China uh, as far as numbers and, and accurate counts and things, but do we know the impact yet of uh, the outbreak there in China on their swine herd? You know, we hear rumors, and I don't really want to speculate on those. Um, You know, we do know that there are definitely price differences within provinces. 
depending on whether they are a province that has a lot of pigs that can't move out of that province, then, then pork is quite inexpensive. Um, provinces that can't get pork in because they um, have more people than pigs or don't have enough slaughter facilities, there the price of pork is very high. So at least that is very objective information that shows us that it's having a, a pretty significant impact on pork marketing. How much of a threat is it to spread beyond China? Is it a threat to the U.S. pork industry? I think it's a threat globally. Um, we see that there was a, um, dead, a, a dead pig carcass found on a beach in Taiwan, and they don't know if it floated over from China or if Taiwan currently will have some positive herds you know, within Taiwan. So I think Southeast Asia um, is very much at risk. You know, um, China is a um, major trading partner with, with a lot of those countries. And, of course, we're working really hard to try to keep it out of the United States, making sure that, that we're in touch with our customs and border protection people so that the you know, high-risk flights are being met with beagles and nobody's being able to bring illegal meat in. We're working with our American Feed Industry Association to have the best protocols possible. And so you know, our goal is to keep it out and not have to deal with it if it gets, you know, we would much prefer to prevent than respond. Well, tell us about the disease itself, and what are the treatments? Um, there is no treatment. So the response would be to um, humanely euthanize and destroy all the animals on a positive site. Um, the disease is a, um, a hemorrhagic disease, so it causes bleeding, whether it's um, you know, hemorrhage in the, into the intestines, into the uh, body cavities. You know, sometimes pigs will have, you know, blood coming out of the nose or other orifices. So um, it is dramatic, but it is not a, it's not totally unique. So it could easily be confused with something like a really bad salmonella. So we're really encouraging our farmers if you see any unusual instances of, of disease like that, any animals that you'd open up that have a big spleen, get your veterinarian involved. Have your veterinarian talking with the state animal health official to determine if you need to send in samples for, for testing. Do we know the cause? As far as the virus, or yeah, yeah. What? How does it start? Why did you know? What do we know? What led to it starting there in China? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, we know that it is an African virus, thus the name, and it had spread up through Russia um, with what they thought were potentially illegal meat imports. And, and then when it got into the wild, wild pigs in Russia, it has then spread um, west into, into the European countries, Eastern European countries. Um, there's evidence that when it started in China, it started on the border with Russia, and so it's uncertain if it came over in meat that was imported from Russia, whether it came over with travelers, um, and then once it got into northern China, then with movement of pigs and movement of people, it, it has spread quite rapidly. And it reminds us again, even with all the protocols and precautions we take, how how susceptible we can be to uh, the transmitting, uh, the, the uh, 
transporting of disease because it can happen, as you say, just be, for, through movement from people as well as animals. Absolutely. You know, I, we in visiting Europe, you know, the wild boar obviously has pay, played a, a large role in the spread, but the long-distance spread, they say, is from people. It's people bringing illegal meat and discarding it alongside the road or whatever, and then wild boar would get into it. So it's um, that's why we're so concerned about making sure that that our customs and border protection people are aware that people are careful at airports that that we're you know not trying to either legally or un- or illegally or unknowingly bring um, potentially infected meat into this country. Now you mentioned there's no current treatment. Is there anything any vaccine being worked on? You know, vaccine has been worked on for decades. And there's some promising um, technologies that are um, probably quite a long way to fruition. Um, By the time you get a vaccine ready to commercialize and can grow it in large enough quantities, um, it's it's very difficult to do. And so um, we're looking right now at saying we have to be able to um, prevent and respond without the idea that we're going to have a vaccine anytime soon. We're reminded in situations like this, I mean, you have to be careful not to think if you're a pork producer to think, oh, that's over in China. We're reminded of just how small the world is when it comes to these types of situations and how things can spread. Absolutely. Um, We have people going back and forth from China all the time. We have U.S. ownership in Chinese pork production facilities and management of those facilities. We have um, multiple uh, plane loads of people coming from China every day into the United States. You know, very few of them probably work in agriculture, but they still have the potential to bring infected ingredients that could somehow end up, whether it's in our wild pigs or or wherever. So um, it's become a very small world with the amount of global travel we do. Of course, the main focus right now is on uh, getting it contained there and keeping it from spreading, but uh, there are other implications uh, down the line, of course, as far as uh, feed demand in the, uh, in the coming months for China with, uh, with the reduced herd size, also opportunities for U.S. pork maybe into that market if we get it opened up again. So uh, there's a lot to this story. There absolutely is, and I'll leave that up for the economists to talk about any of the economic impact Yep, there's a, but there are several layers to this story, and but we wanted to, to get an update on just where we're at and uh, remind people of the precautions that need to be taken here in this country to protect our pork industry. Liz, as always, thank you for the update, and we will stay in touch uh, as this story continues to develop. Thank you very much. Thanks, Mike. Liz Wagstrom, Chief Veterinarian for the National Pork Producers Council. All right, an update on the government shutdown and uh, how it uh, has stopped trade aid payments, the market mitigation payments, and things like that. We're going to talk with USDA Undersecretary Bill Northey next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. 
through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. I can't believe he found them. He seems sorry. We very clearly told him not to look up there. I'm honestly impressed that he was able to do it. Right? What did he balance on that big chair? Yeah, I mean... I guess he'll just know what his gifts are this year. I really thought we had hidden them well. If they can find their presence, they can find a gun. 911, what is your emergency? Every day, eight kids and teens are unintentionally killed or injured by loaded and unlocked guns. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and N Family Fire. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. The grains trending higher in early activity once again on Friday. In lieu of data from USDA, which largely remains unavailable as the government shutdown continues, traders have been paying attention to weather patterns in Brazil. Dryness in the growing region of Brazil has been good for U.S. prices. Bears, though, quick to bring up large soybean stocks in the U.S. Sustained gains above the 20-day moving average for January soybeans could signal an end to the recent price pullback. That 20-day moving average seen at 8.98 an hour into the day, trading at 9.05 and a quarter, up a nickel. Corn futures, March contract up three and a quarter at 3.83. The 20-day moving average could act as a short-term toggle point for the March corn contract around 3.80 and a half. We're currently trending above it. The corn market watching for the U.S. Energy Information Administration to post its weekly data on ethanol production. The EIA report comes on the heels of reports that Pacific Ethanol will close its Aurora, Nebraska operations due to poor margins. In the wheats, we are trending three to four higher Chicago and Kansas City, five to six higher in Minneapolis spring wheat. For livestock at the Merck, more minus signs in cattle futures and lean hog futures pulling back from the recent rally. Cash hogs on this Friday being called steady firm. February lean hogs down a dime at 62.05, back months 10 to 52 cents lower. Live cattle, February down 62 at 122.60. March feeder cattle down 95 at 143.50. The Dow up 460 points. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. 
Well, yesterday I'm texting USDA Undersecretary Bill Northey just to see with the government shutdown if he's working or not. I should have known he was. I, sure enough, he was, he was still busy and hard at it. Bill, thanks for joining us. Uh, uh, I know it's different with the shutdown, but you're still doing what you can, right? You bet. Absolutely. Doing what we can and uh, certainly hoping that it's short. Uh, we do have our NRCS folks uh, that are all here and across the country, but uh, FSA uh, and RMA, so our crop insurance and, and farm program folks, uh, are home uh, due to the lack of funding. Of course, uh, the question many have been asking about the market mitigation payments, and, and really that's on hold now, right? It is. We did. Um, we had a few dollars to be able to keep folks uh, in the office last week, uh, and were able to get uh, pretty much everybody who had come in and provided production evidence. We got their second payments out, um, and uh, those should have uh, advanced through the system. Most of the folks should have gotten the check. Um, they got out of our system and, and got into the other the federal systems to be able to make the payments, and I think they got to most people accounts. Uh, but for the folks that were waiting until now to be able to sign up, uh, so 2019 to sign up or provide production evidence, uh, our offices are closed. So uh, we have a few folks that uh, can apply online. Uh, as long as that online system stays up, they can do that, but they need to have had uh, prior uh, authentication, uh, and that's just a few folks. Otherwise, uh, we'll open back up at some point, uh, and we'll certainly allow time for folks to be able to come in and, and get signed up and provide production evidence. So an extension to the January 15th deadline uh, is being considered? It is. Um, you know, obviously it depends on, on how long this goes, but but we are eating up the days that we expected folks to uh, to come in um, it looks like um, uh, funding to open those offices is not imminent, at least in the next couple days, at least not today. Uh, so we'll be into next week, uh, and the secretary will look to decide uh, what makes sense uh, as far as whether an extension is necessary and what, what that should be. But uh, we know we had a lot of folks who were planning on coming in, and we want to be able to provide time for them to get in and and get signed up and bring in their production numbers and I'll be able to get the check to them as soon as we can. We're talking with USDA Undersecretary for Farm Production and Conservation, Bill Northey. Bill, once the shutdown ends, how long does it take your offices, uh, county FSA offices around the country, to be up and going again and that process on the payments to get started again? Well, I think... I think if, uh, you know, I guess it depends on what time of day, if it's the middle of the night or not. But in general, um, I think we're likely to be up the following day uh, as soon as we get dollars um, to be able to operate again. So it depends on the circumstances and it depends on, on how the mechanics are and certainly the timing of the day. But it will not take very long uh, for that to be able to happen. So you mentioned some work's being done, uh, but a lot of things are just in limbo right now until the shutdown ends, right? Uh, there are. So uh, NRCS um, is out there. They're funded through a separate mechanism uh, that actually funds programs, and then the dollars come back uh, to be able to fund the staff as opposed to 
the appropriations that funds the staffing at, at FSA and and RMA uh, and many of the other functions at USDA. Uh, so NRCS is still there. Um, we have actually a, a deadline coming up on EQIP. We're asking folks to get in to be able to get in the next ranking system. I think that's the 18th of uh, January, but folks should check with their county offices. Um, so they're pretty much full strength um, and doing all the things they would normally do, but FSA and RMA is very quiet. Uh, we we are doing a few functions within risk management agency in uh, performing on some contracts to reimburse companies when they're making payments. So that's one of the nice things for folks that have crop insurance is the private companies are still operating. The agents are still there. Uh, if they're getting a claim processed, uh, those claims are still being processed. And then we, because that's done through the private folks, uh, and then generally we're going to be able to uh, reimburse the companies as well uh, as they make those claim payments. Bill, um, of course, you can't really fully implement a farm bill, even though it's done, until this government shutdown ends. But uh, once you're up and going back to full strength, I wanted to get your thoughts on the conservation title of the Farm Bill that was just passed. I know you were watching that closely. Uh, What are your thoughts about uh, what was done with conservation and uh, what improvements do you see coming out of this new Farm Bill? Well, there there are some options there for producers. It's going to take a little while to get some of those provisions into place. Um, But uh, CRP, which is a combination of of FSA functions as well as NRCS functions. Uh, there'll be some additional acres that'll be available with some caps on, on rental rates. Uh, CSP um, was uh, funded to continue. That was up in the air. The House provision did not have that. The Senate provision did, and so it passed in the conference committee with CSP. Uh, so we would expect some some extensions um, or some uh, um, uh, folks that are able to sign up again for CSP, either as new or as renewals. Um, I don't know how long it'll take uh, to be able to get some of those functions going, but but generally very good interest in supporting Regional Conservation Partnership Program. That's that program that um, has seen uh, great use across the country, a lot of flexibility, and bringing together of a lot of folks that are interested in a local resource need, whether that is um, forest management or wildlife or whether that's water quality. Um, there are just a lot of programs uh, that use that regional uh, conservation partnership program. Ability provided in that, probably some streamlining of uh, the reporting requirements going forward, too, because the dollars that originally came to that program came out of some other program dollars, and that uh, created some complication in the way uh, folks had to do uh, the reporting of the activities they've they did, and so that that was streamlined a little bit. So I, I think it's it's going to be provisions that folks uh, are very happy about. We see um, certainly a lot of interest and. In, continued interest uh, in some of those programs that people uh, have depended on uh, with with some improvements in the way that we're able to address those. 
So just a lot of things uh, on hold uh, until this all gets sorted out and you can get uh, everything back up and fully going. Uh, there is. Um, within within FSA, we're down to just a, a very, very skeleton tr- crew, so we don't have anybody working Farmville issues or RMA the same, um, and, uh, and, and we're not putting any of those pieces together. We can't do that until we get dollars back again, and there's a lot of provisions from the dairy provisions to, to ARC PLC, um, just lots of activities that need to happen on on that FSA side. Um, and so um, we're certainly interested in getting back to business there. Um, you'll see on uh, folks that, that have a, a uh, storage loan um, or a loan on, on commodities that they took out this fall that they need to be able to move those crops. We've made a um, we're going to make an announcement, I think, later today, and maybe it's out already on our website, where folks can go ahead and and move uh, uh, some crop that would have security on it um, as long as they come into our office um, as soon as we open back up. We don't know exactly when that's going to be, but as soon as we open back up to get that uh, authorization that they normally would be able to get prior to moving that crop. So trying to make as per- many provisions as possible to allow folks to operate. But we've got folks that like to pay off a note. we got folks that uh, would like to take a, um, a new loan out. Um, there's a lot of provisions where folks are, are disrupted in the business that they'd like to do. Yeah, you know, I mentioned this yesterday. A lot of us maybe jokingly say, well, if the government's shut down, then they can't do any harm. But, uh, A, Congress is still in session, and, B, the part that's shut down is the implementing of uh, these programs and services that a lot of people are counting on. Uh, they are, and and uh, we find out lots of, of different activities when this all happens, when, when somebody calls and says that's part of what our skeleton crew that's that here is trying to do is answer the questions about what can be done and what can't be done. And and in some cases, um, because of the way an activity is funded, uh, we're, we're doing something uh, and not able to fix it that, that does impact um, a producer or a company or somebody out there. Um, they've been very understanding, um, but uh, we're certainly trying to to do as much as we can to be able to make sure that it impacts as few as people as possible, but we're going to stay within the confines of, of uh, the requirements and the law as well. Yeah, you're trying to do all you can, but your hands are, are somewhat tied, and the fewer and fewer hands even to be tied uh, with the skeleton crews, as you mentioned. Well, Bill, thank you. I'm glad you could take the time to be with us and give us an update, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll have... Uh, better news soon to talk about once this shutdown's over and you get everything back and fully implemented. Thank you very much, and uh, please keep us updated, okay? I appreciate it, Mike. Thank you. Take care. Bill Northey, USDA Undersecretary, uh, joining us for the very latest. Again, uh, they're doing what they can, but there's not much they can do uh, uh, with the FSA offices closed, everything because of the uh, government shutdown. Uh, we'll see if about an extension for the sign-up for the mitigation payments and things like that. So lots of information yet to come once this shutdown comes to an end. Well, we're looking ahead to talks with China. Aaron Ennis, Senior Vice President for the U.S.-China Business Council, will preview those talks coming up next here on AOA.
We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heart for a mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over five million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider. Vermont and New York Banking Departments. Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. <clears throat> Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. <sighs> Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Sometimes life is wonderful. And sometimes it's not. Cherish the good but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private Healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready. And health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is 35000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. 800-664-2612. Do you need a car? 
been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. A lot of attention on trade talks next week with China. A trade delegation will be going to Beijing next week for the first face-to-face talk since the temporary ceasefire began last month. Joining us now to give us a preview of those talks next week is Aaron Ennis, Senior Vice President for the U.S.-China Business Council. Aaron, thanks for joining us. Uh, what are you expecting in those talks next week? Well, that's a great question. Um, we don't have a whole lot of details. Some of that's just because we think that some of these um, items are still moving, but also um, it can't be ignored the fact that there's also a U.S. government shutdown going on, so there's not a whole lot of people around to give answers. But I will note that we got official notice this morning about who's in the delegation. There are going to be at least two lead ag negotiators, Greg Dowd from the Office of the U.S. Trade Representative and USDA's Undersecretary, Ted McKinney. So that, I think, is an indication that agriculture is going to be a key component of the discussions. Well, that's uh, certainly encouraging that agriculture will be a a big part of the talks, as you mentioned. Um, Is there a fear of getting our hopes up too much? I mean, there's so much anticipation every time the two sides uh, do talk. Uh, What are realistic expectations? Uh, that is a very good point. So no one should have undue optimism about what the potential outcomes are going to be. I mean, a couple of things just to keep in mind that I know your listeners deal with on a day-to-day basis. We've still got tariffs on $250 billion worth of Chinese imports into the U.S. and almost every U.S. agriculture export to China, plus the rest of like 85% of U.S. exports to China have retaliatory tariffs. So I don't know that we're going to see uh, a specific outcome on those tariffs, but we have been encouraging the government, and we are hopeful that a plan of action to reduce those tariffs be discussed and potentially at least announced at this meeting. That would be a good sign. Beyond that, my suspicion is that what we're going to be seeing coming out of this, based on previous conversations with the administration, is potentially the announcement of some additional purchases of U.S. products. Um, Soybeans have been at the forefront of that so far, but we might see some other product categories. Rice, there were some announcements about last week. There may be other product categories in that that are are at the forefront as well, as well as some other purchases of U.S. goods exports. And then I think the other key component is going to have to be some issues dealing with intellectual property rights protection and technology transfer and some market access issues. That, too, may cover some ag issues as well. 
What do you make of recent comments by Trade Representative Lighthizer when he said, kind of paraphrasing here, basically he was urging the president to, uh, you know, not uh, be fooled or let his guard down, basically by some recent purchases of of soybeans by China. That, uh, in fact, more tariffs might be needed to achieve their 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 bigger goals in this. Uh, is that posturing? Is that negotiating? Or or how do you view those kind of comments? I think probably it's a little bit of all of the above. I mean, I, I, there is no denying that the administration feels strongly that part of the reason why the Chinese are willing to talk right now are the tariffs that are in place. Uh, I think that uh, we could have a discussion about whether that is an accurate view of why the Chinese are willing to negotiate. Um, it might be part of it, but we don't believe at the U.S.-China Business Council that it's the only reason that they are willing to talk. But I do think that given what the administration announced at the end of December, that in, in suspending the increase in the tariffs on the $200 billion list, it has a date in that uh, announcement that went out uh, that, the date, that those tariffs will be increased on March 2nd, barring any progress. So I feel like the administration is being consistent in its approach in that it's simply reminding China that if these talks don't have substantive outcomes, then those tariffs will increase on March 2nd, and we're essentially back to where we were before the 90-day negotiation period started. You know, we're starting to see more and more impact of this, and Kevin Hassett, chairman of the White House Council of Economic Advisors, saying that a heck of a lot of U.S. companies that do business in China are likely to report lower earnings this season due to trade tension. Uh, Is the pressure starting to mount to get something done here? I mean, I know... Here, we look at it from an agricultural standpoint, but beyond agriculture, is that pressure really starting to mount now? That's a really hard question to answer. Um, there is no denying that we are going to hear from companies who have been affected by it, but it's important to keep in mind that the companies that are going to be reporting those changes are ones that are probably largely affected by cross-border trade. So ag certainly is in that sector. Uh, you know, the news of Apple yesterday, you know, their products come, and come across borders as well. But we also should keep in mind that China's economy generally has been slowing. And uh, just because sales are down doesn't mean that it's just because of trade tensions. There's also a strong element here of a global slowdown that's beginning and Chinese consumer demand reflecting what their own day-to-day lives are like. So it's going to be a mixed message coming out. I I think much like we shouldn't expect too much out of the discussions this week but still push for there to be substantive progress, we also shouldn't overestimate how much of any news that we get in the coming weeks is solely because of U.S.-China tensions versus broader economic issues. So, yeah, and I think people are trying to handicap this. Uh, who has more pressure on them to, to move on this, the U.S. or China? That, that's kind of hard to determine, isn't it? Yeah, I would say we are definitely at uh, a draw on who has more pressure on them at this point. It really doesn't matter, uh, frankly, about who has more pressure. The fact is they are sitting down to talk substance. There does seem to be a genuine interest on both sides of seeing how far the other side is willing to go to, um, on the U.S. side, how far China is willing to go to address substantive concerns that the U.S. has. On China's side, what the U.S. is willing to do to acknowledge progress that China is being made and to give them a plan of action that would lead to a reduction in the tension. So regardless of how we got here and who has more leverage or not, 
they're in the right place to be having good substantive discussions. All right, Aaron, as always, thank you for your perspective and a preview for the talks uh, next week. And uh, hopefully we'll have some positive news to talk about next time uh, we get together on this. Thank you very much. That sounds great. Have a good weekend. Take care. You too. Aaron Ennis, Senior Vice President for the U.S.-China Business Council, again pointing out that agriculture will be well represented in those talks next week in Beijing with USDA Undersecretary Ted McKinney and also uh, uh, Trade Ambassador Ag Trade Ambassador Greg Dow. All right, that wraps it up for today and for the week. Thank you for joining us. Look forward to uh, getting things going again on Monday. Lots of big items, uh, including right at the front, uh, what's going on with the government shutdown. We'll keep you right up to date here on AOA. Have a great weekend, everyone. Did you know you can listen to the latest podcast of Adams on Agriculture or hear the top news and weekend review from the American Ag Network on your Amazon Alexa? Play my flash briefing. Use the Alexa app to search for the podcast you want to play. Search for Adams on Agriculture to learn about the issues affecting agriculture each weekday. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Again. Or you can search for the American Ag Network. This is the American Ag Network Week in Review. I'm Sabrina Hill. Stay up to date on agriculture with the sound of your voice on your Amazon device. I can't believe he found them. He seems sorry. We very clearly told him not to look up there. I'm honestly impressed that he was able to do it. Right? What did he balance on that big chair? Or... Yeah, I mean, I guess he'll just know what his gifts are this year. I really thought we had hidden them well. If they can find their presence, they can find a gun. 911, what is your emergency? Every day, eight kids and teens are unintentionally killed or injured by loaded and unlocked guns. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and Family Fire. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811 brought to you by Common Ground Alliance.